Hi everyone, how's it going? My name is Matt Jarbo. Welcome back to another episode of Stranger Days. And today we're going to be talking about this massive tragedy that is coming out of Canada, where we're learning about a mass grave of 215 children, some as young as about three years old, found at the Kamloops Residential School in British Columbia. This is a an evolving story, an emerging story, but it's one that has a lot of very deep and terrible history from the Great White North. And it's one that the more I looked into it, the more you start to see just how vastly incompetent the old government of Canada was, how absolutely terribly racist they were, how disgusting they were, and how, thank God, we've come so far but not far enough, obviously, and I'm glad that this story is being brought to light, and so I thought it'd be interesting to dive in. Uh, of course, I am just a guy out of Washington State, only a few hours away from where this whole thing took place, and I don't have a lot of insight into the culture. This is just kind of an overview of what I've been able to find by surfing around the web, because the story needs to be talked about by more people, and people need to understand just how bad things were for the indigenous children. So... Let's dive in. Canada, like many countries, has a very dark history when it comes to how it handled its indigenous population. Western expansion and takeover had a lot of consequences in the Great White North, and this one, thank God, is finally getting exposed. This past week at the end of May 2021, it was reported that a mass gravesite of over 215 indigenous children were discovered at the Kamloops Indian Residential School in British Columbia. And like I said before, some of the kids were as young as three years old, this tragedy has mainstreamed the terrible history that Canada has with residential schools for nearly 100 years. And like I said before, that's a good thing because it allows us and not just Canada to kind of get their story out there, but it allows the rest of the world to see these atrocities and how they played out. Now, what we need to know about Canadian residential schools is quite a bit and according to Wikipedia here. In Canada, the Indian residential school system was a network of boarding schools for indigenous peoples. The network was funded by the Canadian government's Department of Indian Affairs and administered by churches, predominantly Catholic churches, at least in this case, Catholic church. However, different denominations did tackle it throughout the rest of the country. Now, the school system was created for the purpose of removing indigenous children from the influence of their own culture and assimilating them into the dominant European-Canadian culture, effectively to kill the Indian in the child. Which is mind-blowing when you actually think about that. It's so terribly mind-blowing that you have a system that was designed to effectively remove all culture from these children and they did it in such horrible terrible ways and it was it was something that was put on by the government of canada uh it's absolutely crazy now over the course of the system's more than 100 year existence there were roughly around 150,000 children that were placed in these residential schools nationally by the 1930s about 30 percent of indigenous children were believed to be attending residential schools and the number of school related deaths however do remain unknown due to an incomplete historical record, though estimates range from about 3,200 upwards to about 60 or over 6,000. Now, the thing you have to remember about this 
is the, the tactics that were used by the Department of Indian Affairs and administered by the churches was that they would take these kids from these tribes, from these communities, and they would send them as far away as they could from their families. And they basically gaslit the families into thinking that they were bad parents. They gaslit these, these, these people into believing that they were just terrible and that they were doing something wrong and that only the government could save their children. So in order to make sure that families were unable to see their children and their relatives as often as possible, they would send them so far away that it would be this massive, daunting task. And in many cases, these families were very low income, so they weren't able to make those journeys very often or at all. And in the case of these kids who went missing, or these kids who died, a lot of these families never once actually found out anything to do with it. They never got any information. They simply just never saw from uh, or heard from their kids ever again. And that is deeply, deeply tragic. Now, the residential school system harmed these indigenous children significantly, like I said, by removing them from their families and then depriving them of their ancestral languages and exposing many of them to physical and sexual abuse. The students were also subjected and forced to enfranchisement as assimilated citizens that removed their legal identity as Indians. They were disconnected from their families and culture and forced to speak English or French, and students who attended the residential school system often graduated being unable to fit in their communities, but still subjected to the racist attitudes in mainstream Canadian society. So think about that. They were pulled from their families. The ones who survived the years at these schools were disenfranchised from their tribe, enfranchised in the Canadian community, but still subjected to the otherism, still subjected to racism in horrible conditions because the government of Canada, aided and administered by churches, wanted to kill the Indian and the child. That is, I, I, I can't, I, I'm, it blew my mind. It absolutely uh, blew my mind. Now, the system ultimately proved successful, which is the terrible thing. And it proved successful in uh, disrupting the transmission of indigenous practices and beliefs across generations. The legacy of the system has been linked to an increased prevalence in post-traumatic stress, alcoholism, substance abuse, and suicide, which persist today within the indigenous communities in Canada. So think about that. The trauma that these children faced is so long lasting that when they exited out of there, they had PTSD, they, they suffered alcohol, they suffered from depression, from alcoholism, uh, substance abuse, all of these things that, you know, are just debilitating to these communities. They just destroyed these communities with these kids. And obviously they thought they were doing the right thing. No, they weren't considering how many bodies that they've dug in unmarked graves, how many times they lied about everything involving these deaths or these disappearances. But it gets even worse, especially when we talk about what they had to go through when they were in the school. Here is just a list of some of the forced changes and unpleasant traumatic experiences that these students had to go through while they were at these residential schools. And Kamloops was like the biggest in the country. So this definitely applied to that to it as well. Uh, they were forbidden to speak their language. They were required to speak English or French. 
required to adopt religious denominations of that school. Like I said, it wasn't just Catholic. Catholic was Kamloops, but other ones like Protestant and Presbyterian, I believe. They all had their own little hand in this, right? I believe they all probably got government subsidies or better tax credits or whoever knows why they did what they did. But I guarantee you it was for some form of church profit or some kind. They were forced uh, to pray uh, consistently with the school denomination. They had to have a forced haircut or shave their head. They were uh, forced to use toxic chemicals to clean their hair and skin, forced to wear uniforms designed by the school. They were forced to shower with no access to baths. They lacked a nutritious diet. They lacked, uh, they had insufficient quantities of food. They were served spoiled food, segregation based upon their gender. Brothers and sisters had no contact with each other. There was sexual assault. There were forced abortions. There was electrical shock, force feeding of own vomit when they were sick, exposure to freezing outside temperatures with improper clothing, withholding of medical attention, exposure to contagious illnesses. Students with tuberculosis were not segregated from other students. Uh, so they weren't, they weren't quarantined. So that stuff spread. They were forced labor in unsafe work environments, a vilification of cultural traditions, use of uh, ra racist language to address the students and withholding presents and letters from the family. Like I said, they did everything they could to remove the Indian from the child and they, they, they drug them across the country. And Canada is a pretty big place to get them away from their family. So their family couldn't contact them and anything they sent them, they would hold from them to further isolate and psychologically damage these children while all under the guise of, you know, assimilation. It's disgusting, but it gets even worse because apparently the kids were also experimented on. Uh, this is coming in with both academic research and the final report from Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Committee that relayed the evidence that students were included in several scientific research experiments without their knowledge or their consent or the consent of the parents. These experiments included nutritional experiments, which involved intentional malnourishment of children. They were given vaccine trials, uh, as well as studies on extrasensory perception, vitamin D diet supplements, and of course, bedwetting. They were, they were experimented to solve bedwetting or to, I don't know, to find a root cause of it or whatever. How about emotional trauma to children? Uh, and also just, you know, the natural form of trying to, you know, control your bladder when you sleep. It's not, uh, this is, yeah, it's terrible. But I mean, look, these, these kids are being experimented on. Not as horrifically as let's say other places that have had, you know, mass genocides. But when you think about what's being done to these kids under the guise of the Canadian government and the church, I mean, like, you know, people today think Canada is like this, a happy go fun, lucky place, Right. But it's got as as dark of a history as America and a lot of other countries, because when children misbehaved, they were punished. And here's some of the ways that they were actually punished while they were at these residential schools. They had needles inserted into their tongues for speaking their language. So if they were caught speaking their indigenous language, they would have needles shoved into their tongues as punishment. Leather straps were used to hit them on various parts of their body. They got beat with fists. They were also burned uh, and scolded. Their hands were burned and scolded, probably with hot water, inflicting beatings until they were unconscious. They were starved. They were shamed. Then they would take, if the child was particularly bad or they wanted to send a message, there would be public beatings of naked children. This, of course, is after they were publicly strip searched to make sure they didn't have any contraband. 
This is a way to completely demoralize them and to denigrate any kind of maybe uprising or keeping everyone alive. These are kids. They're not going to, they're not going to, you know, figure out an escape plan or take over at the school and uh, some kind of riot. They're scared for their lives. They also had genital search, sexual abuse, and, you know, locking in closets, cages, and basements is what they would do to these kids when they put them out there. I mean, like they, they, it's just, it's inhumane to the absolute max. Now, the last school closed in 1996 in Saskatchewan, but it took until June 11th, 2008 for then Prime Minister Stephen Harper on behalf of the government of Canada to issue a public apology to the Aboriginal peoples acknowledging Canada's role in the Indian residential schools system. And this is what he says. Mr. Speaker, I stand before you today to offer an apology to former students of Indian residential schools. The treatment of children in Indian residential schools is a sad chapter in our history. Two primary objectives of the residential school systems were to remove and isolate children from the influence of their home, families, traditions, and cultures, and assimilate into dominant culture. These objectives were based on the assumption that Aboriginal cultures and spiritual beliefs were inferior and unequal. Indeed, some saw it, as it was infamously, infamously said, to kill the Indian in the child. We now recognize that it was wrong to separate children from rich and vibrant cultures and traditions that have created a void in many lives and communities, and we apologize for having done this. We now recognize that in separating children from their families, we undermined the ability of many to adequately parent their own children and sowed the seeds for generations to follow. The government of Canada sincerely apologizes and asks the forgiveness of the Aboriginal peoples of this country for failing them so profoundly. And I mean, look, you can take that apology for how far you want. I mean, obviously, Stephen Harper here didn't create the problem and he really even didn't inherit the problem, but he wanted to do something about it, which is good, which is very good, because from there they decided that they wanted to settle. So on March 8th, 2006, the Indian Residential Schools Settlement Agreement was issued. This was actually the largest class action settlement in Canadians' history, and it was negotiated by several different parties representing Aboriginal organizations, religious orders, Indian residential school survivors, and the federal government. The financial payout was actually pretty interesting because it was $10,000 for each student who resided there for the first year and then an additional $3,000 for every year after that. So if people were there there from when they were younger to when they graduated, they would walk away with a pretty decent penny and hey, it's owed to them. There was also an extrajudicial process to resolve the claims of sexual assault, physical assaults, and serious psychological abuse, and any other wrongful acts committed by an employee of the government, church personnel, or by another student experienced by a former student of a recognized residential school. This process overseen by the Indian Residential Schools Education Secretariat would pay out a maximum of $275,000. I would really hope that like everybody who went there would file for that. I know at this point it's already over, like it's already kind of been closed down in regards to filing these claims, but still it's like, they absolutely deserve it. Like, oh my God. Now let's talk about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, which was formed in 2008 with the purpose of documenting the history and lasting impacts of the Canadian Indian residential school system of Indigenous students and their families. And it provided residential school survivors an opportunity to share their experiences during public and private meetings held across the country. 
which is great because it allows these these people who have experienced these atrocities to come out and vocalize those atrocities, to shine a light on how bad and effed up this whole thing was at the hands of the Canadian government for a hundred years. And I'm not even like the, the Canadian government enabled these churches as well. Like the churches hold a place in all this 100%, but they were enabled by the Canadian government uh, to do some stuff that is like really tragic. And again, this kind of stuff isn't taught in like schools, at least not here in the States. Uh, and I don't know if it is in Canada, but God damn, it should be. Anyway, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission emphasized that it had a, a priority of displaying the impacts of the residential schools to the Canadians who have been kept in the dark from these matters. Because let's be fair, a lot of governments and a lot of people who do bad things, they never want this stuff to actually get itself out there. They never want this stuff to actually be seen or talked about. They want the dark history to go away. But you know what? There is a lot of damage and a lot of destruction that comes from that. And I do think that it's good to have these discussions and to put this commentary out there so people are aware of how bad it got and aware of how bad it could be. Now, in June of 2015, the TRC released an executive summary of its findings, along with 94 individual calls to action regarding reconciliation between Canadians and the Indigenous peoples. The commission officially concluded in December 2015 with the publication of a multi-volume final report that concluded the school system amounted to cultural genocide. And that term might be difficult for some people to hear because when we think about the word genocide, we think about where it originated with the Holocaust. But if you look at like the Armenian genocide and the million Armenians that died a hundred years ago, and you look at this situation, you can see that there are a lot of crossovers here, that there are a lot of similarities here. Well, only 6,000 people died, and I don't want to like minimize the 6,000 deaths, not at all. But the intent of the Canadian government was to kill the culture, to outright destroy the culture, and to assimilate these people into the modern world. And that is cultural genocide. And they've caused irreparable damage to a lot of people. And I'm glad that it's now getting the spotlight that it deserves. So the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation, which uh, was a, a, a thing that opened up at the University of Manitoba in 2015, is an archival repository for the research documents and testimony collected during the course of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's operation. So if you are wanting to find more information about this, if you live in Canada or you're ever heading into Manitoba, check out the University of Manitoba and you can find more information there. Uh, if you want to just dive further into this, I don't live anywhere near Manitoba, so I can't go see it myself right now, but I'd like to one day. I, I think it's it goes a long way to teaching empathy, to look at these things empathetically and to realize that people are people and they being subjected to this stuff is not good. <laughs> Now, here's where we get into the recent reason why this is in the news. In May of 2021, the remains of 215 children were found buried on the site of Kamloops Indian Residential School in Kamloops, British Columbia. The remains were located with the assistance of a ground-penetrating radar specialist and Chief Roseanne Casimir, uh, who did go on to indicate that the deaths were believed to be undocumented and that work was underway to determine if Related records are held at the Royal British Columbia Museum. So the story with that essentially is what really brought this around is an unnamed person 
at least from what from my understanding right now is unnamed really wanted to document this really wanted to to find more information find these mass unmarked graves because there'd always been the stories there had always been the rumor about these and so she took it upon herself to organize this with another company that does ground radar technician work and to come in and to see what they could find and it was really one person who is not taking any credit here who should be in my opinion taking credit is the person responsible for uncovering these graves and who they at this point believe that there's going to be more. Um, now, the uh, First Nations Health Authority CEO Richard Jock did say here that the situation exists. Uh, it's sadly not a surprise and it illustrates the damaging and lasting impacts that the residential school systems continue to have on First Nations people, their families, and communities. And let's be real. This is a national tragedy that Canada is going to have to deal with. And they are aware of how bad it is. I mean, we learned about that. 2008, they have uh, the payouts. Or 2006, they had the payouts. They've acknowledged it with the closure of the last residential school in 1996. But that was still far too long for these things to happen the way that they did. But now the rest of the world is finding out about this. And that's going to put a major spotlight on them in order to do the right thing and continue to uncover these mass graves in order to bring some justice and maybe some names to these people. Because right now, these are considered undocumented deaths. They were not reported. Or if they were reported in many instances, they just said kids ran away into the night. They covered up the abuse and, and the deaths of all of these children. And these were religious individuals operating a religious school funded by the Canadian government with the go-ahead from the Canadian government. And that to me is just insane. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to touch upon this story. I wanted to talk about it a little bit. There's a lot more as, as we go on that will evolve from this. But now I think you have a pretty decent idea of just where things are with this whole situation. And as always, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions. Let me know down in the comments section. If you guys want, please leave a like. Please subscribe to the channel. If you want to get more stories like this, you can always suggest more stories in the comments section or find me on Twitter at mjarbo. I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you again for listening. Have yourself a great day and peace out.